brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, episode number 201. People cry not because they are weak. It is because they have been strong for too long. Johnny Depp. Broadcasting from a dark, windowless room in Hollywood, when we really should be working on that next draft. It's the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, showing you the craft and business of screenwriting while teaching you how to make your screenplay bulletproof. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by Bulletproof Script Coverage. Now, unlike other script coverage services, Bulletproof Script Coverage actually focuses on the kind of project you are and the goals of the project you are. So we actually break it down by three categories, micro-budget, indie film market, and studio film. There's no reason to get coverage from a reader that's used to reading tentpole movies when your movie's going to be done for $100,000. And we wanted to focus on that at Bulletproof Script Coverage. Our readers have worked with Marvel Studios, CAA, WME, NBC, HBO, Disney, Scott Free, Warner Brothers, The Blacklist, and many, many more. So if you need your screenplay or TV script covered by professional readers, head on over to CoverMyScreenplay.com. Today's show is also sponsored by Indie Film Hustle Pro, our private and growing community for filmmakers and screenwriters. It was created for film creatives like you to meet, network, and support each other, learn from film industry experts, and to get the answers to your burning questions and more. The journey in this business is rough. There is no guarantee to success, but your chances of reaching your goals dramatically improve when you find others who are on the same journey as you and you work together towards a common goal. That is why I put together IFH Pro. Inside, you'll get professional networking, private and safe spaces to discuss the film business, access to advanced tools and education, up-to-date education, exclusive content not available publicly, access to IFH Pro workshops, 
webinars, special guests, and so, so much more. If you want to check it out, head over to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash pro. Well, guys, today we have an amazing story by screenwriter and producer David Kessler. Now, David's first movie out the gate starred one of the biggest movie stars in the world, Johnny Depp. He wrote, produced, and got the movie rights for the new film, Minamata. Now, David and I have a frank conversation about what it was like working with Johnny, but more importantly, how he was able to get the movie rights and life rights to the film's subject, Eugene Smith. It is a fascinating conversation about looking for things in the public domain, where you can find inspiration for writing, how to actually get these life rights from and movie rights from people who own IP and much more. This is a pretty eye-opening conversation. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with David Kessler. I'd like to welcome to the show, David Kessler. How are you doing, David? Great. Thank, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I think I appreciate you reaching out to me, man. I get reached out by, uh, as you can imagine, a lot of people want to come on the show. And I'm very blessed with that. But when I saw your story and I saw the films you worked on, and I just found it interesting to see your perspective on on the craft, on the business, and so on. So first question, man, uh, how did you get into this insanity that is the business? Uh, um, uh, that's a, this, is, this is my fourth career. Um, <laughs> so I, I, have to, I have to make this one stick. Okay. I, I went to art school. I went to Parsons School of Design. Um, but I was always, I was, so I, was, I was trained to be a designer, but I was always writing on the side. Um, met, again, many years ago, I, I wrote a short story for an NYU film application. Mm-hmm. And a friend gave it to a woman who came into her, her cafe. She was a waitress. And then it turned out that she, then this woman wrote me a letter. So I got a letter from, and in the corner it said Janklo and Nesbitt. I was like, oh no, I'm getting sued. I'm going to have to leave my apartment or something. You know, <laughs> like it turns out more Janklo is an attorney and the logo looks very much like a, uh, a law firm, but it turned out they're, they are like the, biggest literary agency in new york they represent they represented michael crichton they represented richard price who was my favorite author at the time so yeah my 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 uh my journey goes 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 way back so you know that was sort of an inkling that maybe i had something that uh you know started that you had something something some someone you had some some of the juice some of the magic i had some of the juice yeah i don't even think I don't even think, I think I was still 21. I had just graduated college. Um, oh, but yeah, wow. I, got reje- I got rejected by NYU. Um, um, I don't even, now I don't even know how I could have afforded it. But um, So it might have been the best thing for you not to go to NYU because you might be still be carrying around an obscene amount of debt. Probably, probably. <laughs> but actually, I got to know a lot of NYU uh, uh, people from that time. I was doing film titles for NYU students. So I put like flyers all over NYU, like, hey, I'll do your film titles for $99 or whatever it was. Um, and I got to know some really interesting people. One of the people I got to know, the first film title I did was a guy named Randy Perlstein. Perlstein. Um, he and his roommate, uh, Eli Roth, did, <laughs> later did Cabin Fever. Wow. Very cool. Now, is it true that you also went to the 
the Fame High School? I went to the Philly version of the Fame High School. The the so you went to the Fame High School, the the Philly version. Yes. But while you were there, some of your 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 uh, co, co your students that you went to school with is it is it true you went to school with boys to men and quest yes. love yes 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 <laughs> what was that like dude how were they back then i think i was bullied by boys to men's like associates uh, freshman year i remember somebody pushing me down on the roof um we had our we had our playground on the roof because it was uh -huh. in the, it was in the city uh -huh. um I didn't. And then, yeah, Questlove was a year below me. He was uh, Amir Thompson then. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't. We, they were on a different floor. So uh, they, you know, they had, they, you know, they had a music floor and then they had like, uh, um, you know, rehearsal um, spaces in the basement, you know, that were soundproof. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I knew sort of Amir in passing, but I, I don't think he'd remember me. That's funny, man. That is funny. Now, uh, from what I understand, you also became a stand-up as well. Yes. And you did some stand-up work. Now, I've had decades of experience with stand-up, so I know the creature very well. Uh <laughs> it is it is it is a beast. It is a the, the stand-up, the stand-up, it is is the comedian, the stand-up comedian is their own species. Uh yeah. and I I, you know, the sad clown is very, very true in many in many cases. What drew you to stand up? And because look, I was shooting a special once. I was shooting a stand up special, directing it, and I just got up on the on the stage with nobody in the audience, just to set up for the camera to like, okay, I'll, I'll stand in, and I freaked out just standing there in front of nobody in front of, and I just I'm like, oh no, I can never like it. It's, it takes such a level of. I don't know, courage or insanity to try to go up there and entertain people with a mic for an hour. So how, what drew you to that insanity? That's even more insane than the film business. <laughs> um, indirectly, a therapist from Kaiser Permanente drove, drove me to it. Um, <laughs> I had just gotten to LA. I had moved to LA because I moved, I moved here because I met a woman on the World Wide Web, which is what we called it then. Um, you surfing that, the World Wide Web? <laughs> yeah, and that, that relationship crashed like, I think on the fifth day or the fourth day I was here. So I was here for about a year and a year and a half, two years. And I just was like depressed. I couldn't get out of bed. And I went to Kaiser and the therapist was like, you know what? You have no support system. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of moved on a whim. Um, you know, you need, you, I need you to come back next week with a list of uh, classes that you want to take. So you can, you know, find some friends and, you know, uh, you know, uh, build the community. So I, I think two minutes before the uh, next session, I was like, stand up, cooking class, acting class, writing class, dance class. And uh, yeah, stand up was was the first thing. And she goes, I think that might be good for you. And then like probably a week and a half later, I was in a stand up class. Oh, my God. And then you went out and you started you started doing stand up now and you you had some success in stand up a little bit and got some work in co writing comedy and, and so on. Right. Yeah, I um I got a manager probably within 20 months of the class. Mm -hmm. I was I was signed with Messina Baker. They represented uh Tim Allen and Drew Carey um okay. at the time. Um yeah, so they represented uh, 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 Tim Allen and Drew Carey and then there was like a bunch of people 
you know, like you know there was the a list and then there was sort of like the e list i was i was sort of in the e list um, there was no there was no mid there was no mid talent um at the time so when you were working in stand-up and working in comedy writing how did that help you in your dramatic writing that will that's where you are currently today i don't know um uh i it's 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 hard to say i actually the first script i ever wrote was a biopic which is now my thing but mm -hmm. i wrote a biopic in the mid 90s uh about uh frankie lyman and the teenagers mm -hmm. uh frankie lyman was the kid who sang why do fools fall in love um so that was my first script i wrote that in the mid to late 90s um yeah and then i was doing stand-up in the early 2000s mid 2000s um i don't know I, for some reason the comedy thing i i stopped doing stand-up uh, but i was still writing romantic comedies and comedy scripts and just it just wasn't sticking i just i just you know there were some nibbles and some bites and and then all of a sudden i just made this I think I, I think I stopped. Yeah, I stopped. I stopped all entertainment. I was in the laundry business for a long time, which is, the, which is career number, <laughs> career number three. You know, right. I was like, cause I was in my early to mid thirties and I was like, okay, I need to grow up. Like, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I need to get serious about, you know, trying to stay alive. And uh, yeah. And then I, I just, I did a hard pivot to drama and true stories. And that was the thing. That was the thing that stuck. But you and you were you've been drawn to true stories pretty much ever since. It's kind of like you're you've kind of niched yourself in that space. Yeah, yeah. I, I've gotten that sort of a semi reputation as the you know the doctor of broken biopics. Uh, so yeah, there was there was like I I'd gotten a couple or two or three freelance jobs where uh, producers had come come to me with a with a piece of IP or a book or uh, an idea or a true story and they're like we've had other people work on this and we have this script and you know can can you try and fix it so so you script doctored a bunch as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah in fact the, the director of minamata hired me to rewrite a script he had called adidas v puma mm -hmm. which was about the two brothers who own those companies who were at war with one another for 30 years so adidas so. and puma had there were there were brothers, the owners of those companies. Yeah, one guy's name was uh, Adi Dossler, Adidas, Adidas, mm -hmm. Adidas. Adidas. Got it. Fair uh, and the other guy was Rudolph, uh, Rudy Dossler. They were the Dossler brothers, and then he founded Puma. <laughs> so they, they, so yeah, they they had a they had a shoe company in the twenties and thirties called the Dossler Shoe Company, and then the. World War II kind of split them apart, and then and then yeah, one one. That's an interesting defeated. story. That's oh, an it's an amazing story. story. I, I did a page did. one rewrite on that script. Yeah. Oh, that must. I can't. I hope it gets made one day. That would be a fantastic. Me too. Yeah. My 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 manager called me about a month ago, and she goes, "Uh, yeah, the script you wrote has come back to the agency because they represent directors, and and, and they had it. They, it it sort of like went out in the world, and it came right back." for for another client it's interesting how that works it's like as a writer you write something or you're hired to write something and you've no idea what's going to happen to it. you kind of you know you pray to the hollywood gods that someone's going to produce it and i've said this on the show so many times that there's i know writers who might have one 
one really popular movie on their on their resume or, or or actually produced one or two things and they're like oh they haven't done anything in 10 years i'm like no they've been working non-stop they've probably mm. written 10 or 15 paid been paid to write 10 mm. or 15 script that just haven't been produced let alone script doctoring right right yeah i had um i called i called a company that owns um they manage the estates of rock bands Mm -hmm. And I got a guy on the phone and I said, yeah, I mean, I've done the Johnny Depp movie at Minamata, yada, yada, yada. And he goes, what else have you done? And I go, well, you know, being my first movie starring and produced Johnny Depp, I don't think that's too bad. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. And now, back to the show. Mm-hmm. But he was very quick to dismiss that I only had one. Right. You know? But it, it, I made that one. But, you know, it's not it, a bad it, one to it, start with. It's not a bad it's not a bad hit to, to come out with. So let's talk a little bit about Minamata. Um, sure. You are the producer of that as well as the writer of it. One of the writers yep. of it as well. And one mm-hmm. of the producers of it. So you're the one who started. You're the one that went out and optioned the book. Yep. All that. How how did you decide to option the book? How did you option the book? And can you explain to the audience uh, of screenwriters out there and filmmakers who might want to option a book what the process is like? Um, it was just it was just a few years of crawling over broken glass. That's all it was. <laughs> That's it. That's it only a couple. Really, years. it was Overnight. really, Overnight. It was really, it was really easy. <laughs> um, I, I had known of the photograph. There's a very famous photograph of uh, this Japanese woman bathing her severely uh, disabled uh, and deformed daughter. Um, I knew of that photograph when I was at Parsons because that was in like every the best of photojournalism book, the best of, you know, time life. It was a, it's a haunting picture. I don't know if you've, you've, you've seen the. No, I've seen that picture. I've seen that picture. Yeah. You've seen the picture. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, so that was taken by uh, Eugene Smith. And I, I didn't, I thought it was from Hiroshima because it was from, it was black and white. And, you know, it just felt like it was from long ago, but it was only taken, you know, a, a decade and a half or two decades before I was in college. Uh, so then, you know, I, I, I discovered the story behind the photograph and the story behind uh, G- Gene Smith. And then 
I actually got the Minamata book out of the Los Angeles Public Library. Um, <laughs> luckily, it's still in circulation because some books you you can only get at the, the downtown library, you know, the mm -hmm. reference, you know, mm -hmm. so then I have to travel, travel, uh, you know, 15 miles and find parking in downtown LA, which I really loathe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then I tracked Mrs. Smith down. Mrs. Smith had a, a website um, where she, uh, you know, answered questions about the photographs or if people wanted to license the photographs. Um, so I reached out to her January of 2011, never wrote me back. Um, I tried a full year later, just January 12. I was like, I'm just going to send the same email. And then she wrote me back a few days later. Um, and that this was a big leap of faith for her because I'm not Steven Spielberg. I'm not Bob Zemeckis. I'm not Eric Roth. I don't, you know, I don't have Munich behind me. I don't have Schindler's List behind me. I was a guy who did stand up and wrote romantic comedies. So, and had never made a movie before. Mm -hmm. So it was. It was a huge, huge, I, I owe Mrs. Smith a huge uh, gratitude uh, and, and a debt for um, trusting me with her story and her husband's story and the story of the community that they lived in. But yeah, it, it took two years. It was two years of, she lives in Japan. She's half Japanese. Uh, so it took two years of emails and, and Skype phone calls at midnight and letters back and forth. And sometimes she would, you know, decide, oh, you, know, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe this is not something I want to revisit. And it brings up too many bad memories. And, and then I'd have to reel her back. You know, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good, it would be a good thing for the world to be reminded. Um, yeah, so it took, it, it, it was a year and a half of convincing her. Uh, and then it was six months of legal wrangling. So yeah, it was it was it was twenty three months before she signed on the dotted line. So you you were like a dog with a bone for a year and a half essentially, and did not yeah. give up. Did not give up on this process, which is a very important lesson for everyone listening. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, you, you how 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 much are you willing to endure? Because most people would have given up after six months. After a couple months, they would have given like this. This lady just doesn't want to do it. It's not for me. What? Right. Who am I? How did you? I want to ask you. I'm assuming during that year and a half of you trying to convince this lady to give you the rights to her husband's amazing story and book and, and her story, yeah, and her story as well. There had to be moments that you said to yourself in the quiet of the night. Who do you think you are? How dare you think you could even attempt to do something like that? There had to have been some negative talk, some imposter syndrome flying around. How did you overcome that? Uh, I have a little, I have a little like sticky on my, um, on my computer, you know, yeah. like but the digital sticky, you know. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know exactly. and, and it says, don't give up on something that you think about every day. So that 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 little digital Mac sticky kind of kept me going, going because I do that. You know, I did think about it every day and I did think it was an important story. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm not going to give up. You just kept going. You get no, no matter what. Did you write the script before you had the rights? Or, or as even as an exercise or did you wait? I waited. I waited. But that I had written the Frankie Lyman script on spec, but I hadn't had the rights. And then as soon as I finished that, there was an announcement that Gregory Nava was going to do Why Do Fools Fall in Love? And then I had 120 pages of garbage. 
Um, so I, I didn't want to make the mis- same mistake of putting all this time and effort and creativity into something that that could go. But I did in my head, I did have like, okay, this could be the first act. This could be the second act. Right. This is the theme. These are the things I want to talk about. You know, these are the scenes I want to have. So I did, I did have it cooking and I might've written, you know, a one page outline, outline or something. maybe yeah. something, something just to like, I don't want to lose this stuff. Yeah. There was like, Oh, that would be a good scene. And then I would maybe write it down, but I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't hit fade in and then start, start writing. I didn't do that. So, all right. So now you've got the, the signature. You've, you've got the rights. Yeah. You've never produced a movie before. You've never made a movie before. That's right. What is the next step? Like, how did you get this thing off the ground? Because you're now one of a thousand, if not 10,000 guys running around Hollywood with life rights or book rights or things like that. What made you able to what? How did you get it off the ground? What made you stand above everybody else, at least just to get this thing going? You know, I, I shook the trees of, of, you know, friends of friends of co-workers. And I remember talking to a woman who worked at Participant Films because th- this seemed like it was up their alley because it had a social, um, environmental, um, you know, component. And she was very blunt <laughs> <laughs> and uh, impatient. And she was kind of like, you got rights. That's great. But it's not a script, you know, like it's not a commodity, you know, like it's something, but it's not something anything could. She was basically saying, like, turn those rights into a script, you know, right. or find a writer. So then right. I wrote the script in six weeks. Um, you wrote the whole script in six weeks. I mean, but you've been yeah. cooking on it for two years. It so. was it was it was cooking. It was cooking. Yeah. So you were cooking it for two years, but you actually wrote the, the draft that went out in six weeks? Uh, first draft, six weeks. Maybe I wrote a bunch of revisions, but it, it wasn't that different than the first draft. So you're, the, bulk of what you, the bulk of what the script was was written in those six weeks? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's crazy. All right. So now that you have the script, now you're, now you're a guy, a screenwriter who has right. a script, who has life rights again. 9,000 of those out there. Right, 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 right. Now, yeah, now I'm just one of 50,000 people with a script, but I have the life rights. What's actually, you know, meant something. That, that actually had, it had some currency that, you know, there's IP, mm-hmm. you know, it was, I, it was a book, you know, um, and then I own the rights, you know. So, like, it gave me, it sprinkled a little, a little magic dust Mm-hmm. On on it that you know I had the moxie and I had the uh, entrepreneurship of you know getting the rights you know it like it, it, so as a, as a, so as a writer though I, and I want that's one of the reasons I wanted you have on the show because I wanted writers to understand the importance of what you've done with this with this project specifically because you did what basically one percent of one percent of all screenwriters do which is take control of their of their career and give themselves a better shot by going out and becoming a producer and or entrepreneur and going after life rights going after IP going after something that makes you stand out of the crowd and that's uh, that's why I'm kind of really examining your process and really hopefully inspiring somebody listening 
That that was one of the smarter things I've done in the the last few decades. Was uh, uh, was 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 yeah, being being an entrepreneur uh, slash producer uh, in in terms of, of 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 getting the rights. So you got the rights, and then you're running around town. How did how did you? Who at what point did someone say, "Hey, let's let's make this"? Well, I had the script, and I had the rights, and then I had a friend who. I met actually, this is one of the reasons, you know, it's great to take classes and, you know, meet, uh, you know, uh, find comrades and collaborators. Uh, I met, I had, I, after the stand up class, I took a sketch class, sketch comedy class with Ann Beats, um, who actually passed uh, quite recently. And she was one of the mm-hmm. original female writers of SNL, the original SNL, the original. 75, 75 to 80. Yeah, 75 to 80. So she wrote the Noogie sketch, you know, the with Bill Murray and mm-hmm. um and Gilda Radner. Um she had previously written for uh the Lampoon, the National Lampoon. Mm-hmm. Uh so I took I took a sketch class and in that sketch class, a woman had taken the sketch class before me. Um we had stayed friends. Um and uh, you know, so now this is 15, 13, 15 years later. She had a manager, and uh, so I gave her Minamata. Uh, she gave it to her manager. She nagged her manager to read it. Uh, her manager had once um, worked for um, uh, a photographic uh, photography magazine uh, in the seventies in New York City. So there was this kind of like, oh, I knew who you know Gene Smith was. I you know I worked at this magazine, you know. And then finally she read it and then she loved it. And then, and then I got signed by her and then she was sending out the script. And then how did Johnny Depp get involved? She sent it to Johnny Depp's company. This is kind of a funny story. She sent it, to, she sent it out and she sent it to Johnny Depp's company and they passed. Okay. <laughs> they passed. Simple. Okay. Simple, simple pass. You know, they might've said they liked the writing. I don't remember. But then nine months later, or 10, eight, eight, to, eight, to, eight to 12 months later, I think it was under a year, she calls me on a Friday and says, you're not going to believe this, but Johnny Depp's company has called. Maybe somebody new read it. She says, they think it could win an Academy Award, and they, and they want us to come in on Monday. What? What? <laughs> That's, That's the way what this- happened. So we had a, so like we were there on a Monday and there was a guy, you know, we had a meeting in a conference room. Now I've since found out what had happened. Mm-hmm. I've now pieced together the, these little threads. So um, what happened? It, it turned out he had read it months earlier. He had loved it. He brought it to his boss. His boss passed for whatever reasons. And then I think he had gotten a promotion, you know, uh, eight months, ten months later, and then he was told, you know, th- I, ho- I, I hope, to- apologies to Jason, I hope I'm getting the, the, the story the story correct, but he was told that, you know, he could um, spearhead a project. And he said, you know what, I can't stop thinking about the Minamata script, which is goes to, you know, the earlier thing. If you can't stop thinking about it, maybe it's something you should, you, you should, you know, uh, you know, uh, go after with, with, mm-hmm. with, with all the love in your heart. Uh, 
And then she goes, well, if you can't stop thinking about it, maybe, you know, take the lead. And then he called, he called Amy, Amy called me, and then we were in the office on a Monday. So and I, did, I, at what point did Johnny read it? That's a good question. I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and, 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 and piece together the puzzle on, on that. But maybe for a year and a half to two years, it was never talked about that he would star. Okay. They just, they just, it was, they were just developing it as a, uh, a production company. Now, okay. it's possible this was being groomed to be a project for Johnny. Um, but I wasn't privy to those conversations and it was never mentioned to me. So, uh, so I, I want, I want, again, people listening. I just, I think there's a lesson here to be, to be pointed out. So nine months after they said, no, they yes. swing back and say, we think this could win an Oscar. Yes. Can you come in on Monday. That's right. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now back to the show. That is something that you can't plan for. No. Nope. can't prepare for. There is such an element of luck in this industry that, and after talking to so many people over the years who have been at high levels in the industry, luck plays such a big part. But with that said, you had a script, you had life rights, you had, you, you had done a lot of the legwork to get you to that place. So in other words, that phone call would have never come unless you have gone through those two years of over the glass, trying to get the rights and and all this time and, and effort trying to get this thing made. But because you did all that work at one point or another, literally luck just opened that door. Yeah, a lot of things needed to fall into place mm -hmm. at just the right time. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to discount the amazing luck that has befallen me and yeah. the, the kids, you know, because I took this sketch class, but this 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 woman, Moira, she was in the sketch class, not the sketch, she was in the sketch class before my sketch class, but happened to go to our performance. 
who I met after the show. So the serendipity of her coming to my class, even oh, though she wasn't, you know, coming to the show, even though she wasn't in my class, and then us, you know, staying in touch and remaining friends for 15 years. You know, um, it's, a, it's a long con. It's a long con. <laughs> I was, I, I was inadvertently playing the long game. And so then, yeah. So then, you know, she gets a manager. The manager worked at a photography magazine in the 1970s, had a personal interest in the subject matter, what? read the script, you know, gave it, knew the person who ran Johnny Depp's company, gave it to Johnny Depp's company. And then, and then there's other things that I, I found out much later was, you know, Johnny Depp had come in the office because he was, you know, off making pirate movies. Um, as, you know, as, one, as one does. He's not in the office every day. So he came in the office and then, you know, they have, you know, they have these meetings of, you know, what's going, you know, what, what are we developing? What are we looking at? What are we producing? What are we thinking about? You know, and they said, well, well, Johnny, you know, we, we have this script. It's based on a book. Uh, it's called Minamata. It's, it's about the journey of this photographer named Eugene Smith. And apparently Depp goes, I know who Gene Smith is. Um, I mean, he didn't say it to, to be a jerk. He was just saying, like, you know, hey, like, I'm, I, a, I, I'm a, I'm a fan. You know, <laughs> you don't need to explain yeah. it to me. So it turned out Depp had been a fan of of Gene Smith. I, he, he had known. Uh, you know, he'd been a fan of the photography. He'd been, uh, a, a, uh, you know, sort of aware of Gene Smith's reputation. Gene Smith was a wow. was a an eccentric. He was a tortured artist who drank a lot and did drugs and, just, you know, uh, burned bridges. Um, I think it was in the pantheon of people that uh, Depp admires, you know, your Hunter Thompson. Yeah, I was about know, to say, <laughs> you know, your, your Keith Richards, you know, he, he just. You're Jack, Spar with, you're Jack Sparrows, if you will. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Jackson Pollock. You know, he just oh, fell into, into the, the, that kind of self-destructive, uh, you know, tortured artist. Um, and in addition, he had been, Depp had been friends with a woman named Mary, Mary Ellen Mark, mm -hmm. um, who was a documentarian who made a doc, who made a, a doc, a docu documentary about street kids in Seattle in the late seventies, early eighties. Mm -hmm. She later made it into a feature with Jeff Bridges. Do you remember this movie? Um, Jeff, I, I forget what the movie was called. Jeff Bridges is in it. Edward Furlong plays his son. So then it was loosely based upon the documentary. Oh God, I that she, remember that That movie. she had made. So yeah, she was a photographer. She had taken classes from Eugene Smith in the late 60s, early 70s at the New School for Social Research, where, had gone to college, where I had gone to college. And she had told Depp these stories about Gene Smith. You know? So it's kind of like the universe was like building up this, 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 this this maxim point this turning point where all of these things would just come to a head and you just this go was, yeah oh, this, this is the time this was a 50 this was a 52 year this was a decade long long game that's what this uh, this was you you had no idea you were a part of until later on i i didn't <laughs> all right so i have to ask you so you know there's been a lot of talk uh, there's been over the years there's been a lot of talk about johnny and how he works with his his um his crew and, and how he works with the, you know, writing. What was it like producing a movie with Johnny Depp, especially something like this? How involved is he in the script the scripting process? Cause I mean, he does take a character and this is obviously based on someone real, but he does take a character and kind of go with it. I mean, I mean, he made the pirates of the Caribbean without Johnny Depp. There is no pirates of the Caribbean. I don't care what they do after now that they're not going to have him back or anything. 
there is no Pirates of the Caribbean without Johnny Depp. So without Jack Sparrow. So how how did he approach this process with you? Depp Depp was really Depp put a lot of him himself into the part and into the production of the movie. You know, the movie was made, I think the budget was $11 million. Maybe it was, it was eight. It looks, it looks a lot more expensive it looks, than that. It looks amazing. I mean, oh it looks, God, it looks amazing. Um, the cinematography is made. Andrew did an amazing job. Oh, um, stunning. Um, Beautiful. Um, uh, Richie Sakamoto did the music. I mean, like if you yeah. made a list of like who should do the music, like Richie Sakamoto would be like, Top yeah, of that list. Yeah, Bill Nye and you had Oh yeah, Bill uh, Bill Nye. So yeah, Depp, you know, again, Depp had this personal connection, you know, to to Gene Smith as an artist, as a person. So, you know, I mean, Depp, I mean, I don't want to say he did the movie for scale, but he he did the movie for just a fraction of what he used to get to be a pirate. Um basically you know, lunch lunch money, lunch money for Jack Sparrow. It was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we shot it in Serbia and Montenegro. You know, we couldn't even afford to shoot it in Japan, unfortunately. I think, although they did shoot, shoot some plates in Japan. So, Depp, I mean, this was a personal, this was a, this was a, something personal for, for, for Johnny. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was on set. I'm, 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 I'm in, I'm in a scene in the movie. Uh, there's a scene in Life magazine. Uh, you might have seen the clip mm-hmm. where he's like kind of walking around this conference table uh, mm-hmm. lecture, lecturing us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm at the table, but if you sneeze or blink, if you do one of those two things, you will miss me. <clears throat> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he he looks he looks like Gene Smith, you know, with the beard and he's got these age spots and he's he's he was the same age as 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 Smith was at the time. You know, there's this world weariness that Smith had that Johnny just sort of has, you know, being who Johnny John. is. Yeah, of course. At, at the age that, that Johnny is. And, you know, um, he just he just embodied the part. And then on on set, he was called Gene. He was called all oh, the call sheet says, like, you know, Gene Smith as Gene Smith. He just took it really, really. Seriously. Seriously. So you so you're there watching him. I'm assuming you were there almost every day on set or were you on set a lot? I was there for a week. I was I was just there for a week in Serbia. So I only saw some some scenes. Okay, so when you're on the set and watching Johnny work, mm-hmm. what is, I mean, you know, he's he's arguably one of the better actors of his generation uh without question. What's it like seeing him work in, and and also bringing your words to life? It's it was the the latter part of your question. It's sort of an out of body experience. Like um, I like I like I don't know how, how I've gotten to this point. You know, <laughs> I mean, things were not going well for me and my laundry business until the. I mean, like I had I had fifty dollars and twelve cents in the bank before they wired in the money or the movie. You know, like uh, I was going to have to move back to my parents' house in Philadelphia. Like things were not, you know, my pivot into the laundry industry was was ended up not not being a good one. So this, I, I thought my pivot into the olive oil and vinegar business was rough. <laughs> uh, yeah, my my last gamble was making a movie. I, like it, like it's weird that this this 
this worked out the way it did. But but to, to your earlier point, Johnny Depp is amazing. I that one scene took about eight and a half hours to shoot the the scene in Life magazine. <laughs> I'm sitting at the table. I'm sitting at the table the entire day, just watching him work. <laughs> essentially, I'm sitting next to Bill Nye. He is he is to my right. <laughs> Catherine Jenkins. Um, the, the, the opera singer and performer who's the director's wife is sitting across from me. And Depp, D- that scene, Depp is supposed to walk around the table and, and lecture us all. And, you know, the, where we start, you know, 8.30 in the morning and Depp is, you know, okay, I got to say this when I hit this mark. Okay, okay. You know, and he's, he's got a long monologue. Maybe it's a three and a half minute monologue. I don't remember, but he's got a lot to say in a short amount of time. And again, he's got to hit, you know, he's got to hit marks. Mark. Yeah. He's got to hit the marks. And, you know, the camera people are following him around and, you know, the boom people. So in the beginning, you know, it's like, oh, no, you know, is he is, you know, it's he's kind of kind of rough going, you know, the first the first, you know, 30 minutes or hour, you know, oh, if, oh what's the line? OK, OK, OK. But then the course of the day, I am watching like it's a master class. I am watching Johnny Depp. Like, find the meaning in the words, you know, like find the meaning behind the meaning. Like, I'm watching him connect with, with Bill Nye, you know, who he knows, you of know, course, obviously from, from the Pirates for, movies for, for the last 20 years. Sorry. Right. I, I thought I had, I, had, I thought I had, it's all turned, good. It's all good. I thought no I had, I, I thought I, I always watch it, uh, you know, the news shows and they'll be interviewing on some CNN. I'm like, dude, turn off your IM, you know? <laughs> so I, I thought I had, I, I had turned off. It's all good. I had so he, so he's there with Bill Nye. Yeah. He's there with Bill Nye, who he's known for 20 years, but in the movie, Gene Smith obviously knows the, the, the editor of life magazine for probably as long. So like there's these kind of mirroring like parallel relationships that are happening. You know, so he's, you know, he's, you know, playing this bitter photographer who's angry at the life. It, like I was just like minutes before we shot. Uh, I don't know. Bill gave Johnny or Bill or Johnny gave Bill a book. It was like a, a nonfiction book. Oh, I thought you would really enjoy this. So I get to have this relationship. Then I'm watching this relationship play out with my words and the words of the script. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, like. There's there's history there, like there's real life history that they are sort of pinging back, you know, they're 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 mining from. It was kind of extraordinary. That's amazing. Now, it was it was amazing. So let me ask you, do you have any advice for people who are adapting screenwriters who are adapting a true story? What advice do you wish you would have known when you started adapting these kind of things? That's a different art form than writing something from scratch. Yeah, it's funny. Just this weekend, I taught a one, I taught a, a one-day workshop, a three-hour workshop called "The Art of Adaptation," mm-hmm. um, and I and I and I had about two and a half hours of ad, ad, advice. And um, I think the first chunk of it was like, you know, how to win over people who own the IP. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's a you know? that's a class in itself. <laughs> it is. It is. It's not easy. It's really not easy. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's easier now for me, you know, oh, I made this movie with Johnny Depp and. Oh yeah. The doors open a little bit wider. Yeah. Like, like, hi, I'm Steven Spielberg. 
and then well, that's all you, you know, need to say. <laughs> well, it was even a little tougher, you know, when like the movie hadn't been made yet. So it was just kind of theoretical. It was just like movie, Johnny Depp, Man of Mon-. You know, people really couldn't like, they couldn't watch it. They couldn't see it. Sure. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't tangible. But now I can say, oh, you can look at it on iTunes and, uh, you know, Amazon Prime and, and whatnot. Yeah. So part of it is, I think the first part of the class was, yeah, identifying IP where you could find it. Um, it's everywhere. I mean, like, oh, there's thousands, tens of hundreds, thousands of books, like, and comics and gay. There's just so much. There's there's 400,000 recordings that, you know, you could put you could, you know, you could write a movie based on a song and, and use the actual song. So there's almost half a million songs that you can use the actual recordings of. Um, Anything before uh, 1926 in America, but interestingly, UK, the UK and Canada have different public domain rules, which I found out about. Mm -hmm. That's like it's like the death. It's like the life of the author plus 50 or 70 years. You know, which is which is different than the U.S. So it's like you whatever is published in. Uh, Canada or the UK, that might, you know, that stuff might be available 10 years before it's available domestic. Here, Here but, yeah. But how, so how, how does that work though? So like, I'll go over to Canada, buy the rights in Canada and can you play it out here? You can't do that. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a, that. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now back to the show. <laughs> well, I do know this. I have I have a friend uh, who's a Broadway producer, and he's he's doing a, a, a musical of The Little Prince. Yeah. But he's only doing it in like Europe because the rights are available. Yeah, like you couldn't do it here. 
And you could, I like, I, I think even think he's doing it in Hungary or Poland or, or something. Or like, Some or, place that's like so specific that you can't get out what, of that. No, but it's like he's got a full production and he can do it and he can perform these shows on that IP because he's, you know, he's found the loopholes of the countries that you can. So, yeah, there, there's all these like, you know, very interesting. interesting. There's all these like very interesting, like little like you know um loopholes uh, mm-hmm. that you can sort of like slide through um uh, even in my research you know about the steven spielberg uh, no um stephen king dollar baby thing oh, of course yeah yeah I'd let everybody know but yeah the short film thing yeah i've heard that forever but go ahead he still does it i, I thought well this oh, yeah. is something he, i thought this is something nope. he did like he still the- does it so for everybody oh. listening stephen king will allow you to license a short film that is not licensed by a major company or, or a, a short anything. story a short story. a short story a short story excuse me of his of his that can be turned into a short film and you can't make money on it you nope. can't sell it but nope. the only prerequisite is you can send it put it out the festival show it off as yourself but he needs to get a copy of it so he can watch it that's right and there was a couple guys who got their starts like that. Frank Darabont. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont started his whole journey with that. That's how he was able to license uh, Shawshank Redemption. Not for a yeah. dollar, obviously, because but he had a relationship already with Stephen King. And then that then went on to the Green Mile and and then Mist and all these other right. things that, that right. he did. Oh, my God, the Mist. Oh, <sighs> the, the Mist gave me nightmares. Dude, um, dude, I just had Thomas Jane on. Oh, wow. You got to listen to that episode. It's so awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can go to stephenking.com yeah. Yeah. slash dollar baby. And then all the rules are right there. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's, there's, there is IP there is. And then, you know, in my, in my, in my class, I, I was breaking down like all the things that are inspired, but you know, like there's so many things that are Frankenstein, like, uh, oh my know, God. So- X Machina. Frankenstein, like, you know, oh, AI. Like Shakespeare. Oh, my Shakespeare. God. There's so many shows. Oh, you know, they did the hip hop uh, Othello, you know, t- ten, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, and then they did the meta Shakespeare. They did a Shakespeare play about a Shakespeare play. Taming the Shrew. Yeah. Midnight Summer. It's there's so much IP out there that if you are a new writer wanting to get into the business, if you can come up with a unique twist on a obviously successful IP like a Shakespeare play, but just turn it and flip it around in a way that makes sense for you, it makes sense that something new and fresh, which is hard to do in those kind of IPs, but that's just an example, you can get the ball rolling on it. You can get your career off the ground. You can create a, a writing sample based on the structure of some of the greatest writers of all time. <laughs> you, you can up, you can take a Lovecraft story and Dickens. Edgar Allan, Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, there, there, there are lists, um, and, I, and I sent this out to my class, and actually I'll forward it to you, that are just like, they're, they're, they're websites that just keep track of like what's fresh in the public domain. Oh, that's nice. You know, like, Eugene O'Neill stories, Hemingway novels, like there's just all this stuff that is just, just like, what is Alien except it's a haunted house story in space, right? right? right. Like Outland is a Western in space, <laughs> like, like just take something and put it in space. Well, yeah. and it's a little bit more expensive to shoot stuff in space, but generally speaking, yes. Or, or you could just be a desolate 
uh, post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic. Uh... Yeah, I mean, look, the abyss is a, ha- a haunted house story underwater. in the water. That's again, right. again, very difficult to shoot, but, <laughs> but yes, no, without without question, and all those, there's always. I mean, look, and I, I've said this before, and I'm not the first to say this. Uh, the Fast and Furious is Point Break, and it was based on an article, right? So. But the Fast and Furious, no, 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 no. But the Fast and Furious, yeah, the Fast and Furious first movie was based on an article, but mm-hmm. the structure of the movie mm-hmm. is Point Break. Mm. Okay, right. I mean, right. just look at it. Just look at it. Undercover Cop, The Girl, it, it's, it, you know, extreme in, infiltrating a secret. It's Point Break, point for point, beat for beat. You just go through it. There's videos on it on, on YouTube. Oh, and wow. You just, and it's just, it's just Point Break. It's all it is is Point Break. And you're just like, I mean, can't believe it. Now it's like some sort of James Bond Frankenstein that they turned it into. But but to your point, it's like IP of IP. You know what I mean? Like it was. But they used the structure, but they used the structure of of another movie and completely, I don't know how they got away with it, to to be honest with you. Um, But but things like that, there's always stories out there. And if you can attach, and in the world we live in today, IP is king. Everybody just wants IP. Everyone wants a best-selling book. Everybody wants something that they could hold their hat. They could that that could they give an executive an out if all goes wrong. So, in other words, hey, I like I like I we put this movie into production. It's based on a Shakespeare play. Mm-hmm. Who knew? You know, they have to have something to escape hatch. If not, oh. they don't take risks on original IP as much anymore because if they fail, they're gone. Um, I mean, what is AI if it's not Pinocchio with robots, you know, but um, I, uh, I mean, there's even a blue fairy in it. I mean, and Jude Law is like a handsome robot, Jiminy Cricket. I mean, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I just read somebody's horror script. Um, it, was, it took place in a single location. Um, I found it on the Blacklist website. And then I got the guy on the phone and I said, hey, you know, what, what, what inspired this? And he goes, well, this this serial this serial, serial killer did this like one thing, you know, like, I don't know if you put people in the basement first. I forget what it was. It was something benign. I mean, not benign, but <laughs> not yeah. something not something like, oh, my God, that's mm-hmm. horrible. And I can't I don't want to think about it. But it was just like, you know, maybe it was the, the van. I, I don't know. It was something small. Right. Mm-hmm. It was something small and and not pedestrian, but you know, and I said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to raise the value of your spec with four words. Okay. Open up final draft or Highlander, whatever it is. Okay. Right under your name. You're doing this inspired by a true story. Oh yeah. It's, it's not wrong. It was inspired by this one little thing that this terrible person did, you know, one or one or two times and i was like dude that's the inspiration for your script and you know people will be interested it's got some magic dust on it you know inspired by a true story mm-hmm. it's, it's it's so it's so true and, and now you see that everywhere now is everything's inspired by a true story inspired by a true story i, I look uh, again one of the reasons i wanted to have you on the show is to talk about ip about how to get ip and it's so important in today's world because you need something to make you stand out as a writer and as a filmmaker. And if something as simple as the Stephen King dollar baby thing, I mean, if you're coming up as a filmmaker and you're like, I don't have anything, I don't have a story to tell. I'm like, go read one of the best authors of his generation of the 20th century and 21st century, Stephen King. And he's how many stories, short stories does he have? Hundreds. And, and you can make it on your, 
you can make it on your phone. Which like, he, which I've seen, by the way. I've seen. You know, by the way, I get I've get pitched Stephen King projects all the time, like those short. Like I just made a Stephen King short film, and they're using Stephen King's name to try to o- open some doors. Oh, I see. Uh, they're like, oh, it's a new, a new short film by Stephen King that he wrote it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm hip to the game already, brother. I, I think I think that, <laughs> I think I think that violates the dollar baby rules because he's got specific rules that you like. You can't you can't you can't like go oh Stephen King authorized this or something like yeah. No, no. Yeah. But nowadays, everybody knows about this. I mean, everybody in the business kind of knows about it, but it still opens. If you want to be a director and want to show off what you can do, why not on a Stephen King movie? I mean, it worked for Frank Darabont back in the 80s. I saw his 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 Stephen King uh, adaptation. It was, was called. It, was, uh, it, was it was it Shawshank window? or was it something? No, 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 no. It wasn't Shawshank. It was uh, I think it was the one it was called The Boogeyman. I uh-huh. think it was the boog- the boogeyman, the boogeyman. I I, rem- I wanted to make that back in the day. I wanted to make the boogeyman. How was short. how was his short? I mean, it was in the eighties, so it was you know the technology wasn't that. It was shot on thirty five, or I think it was shot on sixteen. One of the two. It was good. It was well crafted. It was you know he was a writer wanting to be a director, and then he put he pulled this obscure short film, which was the. Um, Rita Davis, uh, Rita Haywood, and, and the Shawshank Redemption, right. which nobody in their who's going to make a movie out of that short film. And then Frank actually filled it out and build out a feature based on that short film. And then Steven was so excited, ecstatic about it. Then he's like, Hey, I'm writing this thing called the green mile. And he was giving him the green mile episodes before oh. anybody. So he was already, he's like, Steven, I need to, I need, I need to make this. So it was, that was why it was right after Shawshank. He went right back to the prison and made Green Mile, which I still is one of my favorite movies of all time as well. And then he went back with the mist and and so on. It's just um, it's fascinating. But that's a that's a, one of those success stories of someone using IP. And God bless Stephen King for doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought up short stories. Short stories are um, they're 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 a great they're a great place to mine from. Because, you know, they're not on everybody's mind. You know what I mean? They might be in a collection that's out of print. Right. You know, like, you know, who, who reads short story collections anymore? I mean, I don't, I don't remember the last time I read one. But, you know, oh, Stephen King's son, Joe Hill, they're making a movie. I think it's called Fawn based mm-hmm. on. Oh, my God, that was an amazing short story. I went back and I read the short story. But yeah. short stories, you know, it's not it's not on top of mind. Right. You could get a famous author to like Stephen King to maybe license, you know, allow you to, you know, you know, option the short story. Uh, an author of a short story might feel less, uh, they might be less, you know, proprietary. Yeah, less precious. That's I was going to say proprietary, but less precious about like, well, look, you know, it's only 15 pages it's a, or 20 pages. It's a, short, it's a short film. What are you going to do with it? You want to make a you short know, film? Knock yourself out. You know, but versus like, oh, well, I spent 10 years writing this novel. I don't want you to change a word. You know, they and then that way you have more you have more. You know, I can flesh it out. It can it can be more of your own. You know, you can add stuff to it. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if I had more time and more inclination, I would probably be going through short story uh, (laughs) collections. So what are you working next? Matt? What are you working on next? Um, I have a Kubrick. uh, I mentioned this uh, uh, before we got on the air. I have a Kubrick themed um, uh, script. Um, what else am I working on? They're all, they tend to be true stories. Um, I'm reading some nonfiction books. Um, one's, one's, one's about, uh, has to deal with UFOs. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what else am I working on? Um, oh, uh, yeah, I had reached, I had reached out. There, there are some big properties that I am, I'm swinging for the fences for. Um, one's a rock band. Um, one's a rock band um, who ha- has already uh, had, uh, you know, uh, uh, an adaptation of, of 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 one of their things made. Um, there's there's another uh, rock artist of the '60s and '70s and '80s. I just want to make a movie of a, a chapter of his biography. You know, just the, just just one of the chapters. You know, not the whole thing. You know, because that has like a beginning and a middle and end. Um, that's that's another thing I love about true stories and 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 um, IP is that the structure is laid out for you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we, just... we yeah we had somebody who came on the show who wrote the Motley Crue biopic for Netflix. Oh wow! Yeah, and he but he'd been on it for fifteen years, something like that. Like it, it took forever. To get yeah, the I, I, I had the, the, the rock stars people bit for just a moment. There was a moment where like all the conduits between me and the rock star, you know, were all like, oh, he's interested. Um, and now I now now <laughs> now 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 I don't know. It just it just it just kind of kind of like they say in the dating um, um, parlance, kind of I feel like I've gotten ghosted. Um, right. But. But now that Minamata is going to come out on DVD, I'm literally buying like, you know, 20 copies of it. And I'm just going to mail it to the, the people that I want to get the IP from going, here's that, my movie. Feel yeah. free to watch it. If you like that, it, let's talk. Yeah, that's a that's a yeah. Well, I mean, you've got a heck of a calling card now. That's a really heck of a calling card to to, to rock it out. But man, listen, your story has been so inspiring, man. Uh, uh, you know, there's it doesn't happen very often. Your first first movie out the gate is of such magnitude, such quality and, uh, and working with one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Uh, it's a pretty amazing story. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions, ask all my guests, what advice would you give a screenwriter, uh, trying to break into the business today? Find some IP. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not, not, not just for the, you know, magic dust that, 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 you know, having, you know, some, some, some intellectual property, We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now back to the show. You know, it, it, it eases the writing, you know, it, it eases the pulling your hair out and trying to figure out, oh, God, what's going to happen now? What's my character's motivation? 
uh, you know, who's the bad guy. A lot of that is already laid out, you know, in, in, in the, um, Oh yeah. A lot of the heavy lifting has been done. If you're picking up somebody else's IP, I mean, it's a lot of heavy lifting has been done. You just now have to, as opposed to trying to build something, you're trying to, now you're taking things away, which is a lot easier. You're editing versus creating scenes. Like I have 400 scenes to choose from, but right. I really only got 27. I can actually put in the movie. Unless you're, unless you're adapting a short story, then it's about, that's a different, it's addition. Right. Novels are about, or, or, uh, or about sub, sub, subtraction. Right. And, and and often nonfiction is is about addition. There are a lot of stuff I had to add. Mm-hmm. Minamata, the book is basically it's 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 almost like a travelogue. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, and then it's you know it has it's kind of a photo essay. But so the meat the meat is there. You're just seasoning. I mean, there it. were there okay. were some. I mean, there's some scenes and stuff. But I I relied on um, you know Eileen. To, uh, you know, gave me a lot of stories, and I relied on there's a you know an 800 page gene smith biography but there, there was a lot of filling and i had to do it so yeah so so yeah find find some some ip and again anything before 1926 depending on your country um mm-hmm. don't make a movie about mickey mouse though that's uh that's not gonna work uh, <laughs> i mean i don't know if you're aware but steamboat willie is is up is is almost in the public domain it's like, almost it's almost in the public domain and i promise you Best of luck putting it out because <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the mouse is gonna like. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not advocating that. I'm just. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I'm just. I'm just being informative about the uh, the uh, copyright deadline. But um, <laughs> it's coming. They'll probably extend it somehow again. I'm sure. Uh, uh, yeah. Like yeah, they, it should have been. It should have been public domain twenty years ago. <laughs> but. There's that. Um, now, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life? Um, does this also include romantically? I don't know. Or is it, whatever. In life, life or, or the film business. Don't move to L.A. chasing a woman. That's probably a good one. <laughs> Actually, moving, to, moving to L.A. is not a bad thing. I, right. I, I, I will never regret that. That, mm-hmm. th- that, well. that was... That was the impetus for this entire journey. I mean, I would still be living in my rent stabilized, you know, apartment, uh, you know, on a fifth floor walk up, you know, it's just, you know, decomposing. And uh, if, if, if I hadn't hit, you know, that button on that dating website, you know, in 2000, um, what advice is, um, you know, what I'm learning now is just like, you know, I'm older and you know, there, there was a period uh, until quite recently, I, w- I was looking for a full-time job and um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, like, you know, I'm building the plane in midair. I see that. And, and sometimes you just have to, you know, just like trust your gut. Like, oh, that's not for me. Like, I don't fit. Like, that's not going to oh, work. I know. You know, so like only a few months ago, I was like, oh, this is it. This is my life. Like, I'm like every day I'm, you know, hustling to make movies and, you know, get rights and, um, you know, charm, charm the IP holders. It's like, and there's you, there's only, you only have one life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. This is it. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, 
you know, leave your wife and leave your kid and, you know, go out for a pack of cigarettes and never come back. I mean, you have to be responsible, but, uh, you know, you just have to carve your own, carve your own path. Mm -hmm. Very good advice. Now, what are three of your favorite films of all time? This sounds trite, but I don't mean it to be. Meet the Parents is what is is in my parents. in my in my top three. Meet the Parents. And I, I I I talk Roach, about yeah. I talk about it in my uh, my uh, I, I teach for the script uh, and anatomy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I break there. I have to go back because they they videotape the classes for people who missed it. I have to go back because I expound. I go deep, like you know, I've got that Kubrick book. I like I have talked about meet the parents in such granular like deep that, deep. that, it, that, that there are so many things going on in that movie you know in terms of theme in terms of like the theme behind the theme um like and it's it's so like deceptively simple like you know like i once had a meeting with a producer um who made a lot of big movies in the 80s and every time i pitched something he would be like Execution dependent. <laughs> All right. Okay. But like, is it everything? Like, was it like, yeah, what isn't, you know, like, you know, alien. Okay. It's an alien in, in, in a thing. And, you know, there's this woman and she's trying to fight the execution dependent. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it would have to be like, you know, on what the alien look like. And, you know, if, you know, HR uh, Geiger is making the alien, but I just, it's like, Meet the Parents is so deceptively simple. Like a guy goes home to impress his girlfriend's parents. Like, like if you pitch that in a meeting, you get thrown out. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That that it's deceivingly simple and but yet complex. And I also have like this, like it's not a conspiracy theory because like it's also a movie about a, a Jewish person like trying to marry into a wasp family. Mm-hmm. That's also like one of the themes behind the themes. And again, it's not like a conspiracy theory that I've like thought of in, in, in you know, in, in, in the dark hours, like it kind of comes up a few times in the movie. Oh, more than a few times, more than a few times. Oh, is it, is this what you guys call a hoopah? Like, <laughs> you know, well, I have, well, I have, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Like, well, <laughs> e- well, even, even in that scene, you know, he gets asked to say the prayer over the meal. Right. Well, well Jew, Jews pray over meals, don't they? Like, again, it's, 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 Got it's, it. it's, it's more than subtext, it's text. So, what are the other two? I haven't watched it in a long time, but Raging Bull, Raging Bull really knocked me out um, mm-hmm. when I was in my twenties uh, and, and and when I was in college. Um, that's a hell of a movie. Of course, it is. It's um, classic. And third, um, I can't. I haven't watched it in a while. Social Network. Oh God, that's a masterpiece. That's some, it's Quentin Tarantino said that was his favorite movie of the of the two thousands. So far, um, between oh, 2000 and 2010. Oh, uh, I guess I would say Pulp Fiction too. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, one of my prized possessions is I got to I worked at Miramax for probably 72 hours. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, like at a time when they still pasted things up, like on the artboards, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I befriended the uh, the art director. We 
we're still friends. This is like mm-hmm. 25 years later, maybe longer. Um, and I was able to get the original poster for uh, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, wow. Written like the original, like, like off the press for the mm-hmm. first, you know, run of it. Mm-hmm. And also he sent me uh, a Pulp Fiction poster. Oh, again, like off the press for the first, you know, when they first like, you know, at first, and I'm sure there's some code or some number maybe on the back that says, you know, because so of things, made, so if things they, don't work out eBay. <laughs> I, I do have a, a, a poster tube of posters that, you know, in case of emergency break. You know, yeah. <laughs> David, man, it has been uh, a pleasure talking to you, man. Oh, Alex, it's you. been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, brother, and continued success. And I appreciate you uh, hopefully inspiring some screenwriters out there and some filmmakers out there to go out there and get some IP and uh, make their dreams come true. So I appreciate you, my friend. Super. Let's keep in touch. I want to thank David so much for coming on the show and dropping his knowledge bombs on the tribe today. Thank you so much, David. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, including how to watch Minamata, please head over to the show notes at bulletproofscreenwriting.tv forward slash 201. And if you haven't already, please head over to screenwritingpodcast.com, subscribe, and leave a good review for the show. It really, really helps us out a lot. Thank you again for listening, guys. As always, keep on writing no matter what. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast at bulletproofscreenwriting.tv. 